You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. In our message series we're in called Return to Me, we're taking this idea, this concept of the scriptures as we've been working our way through Jeremiah a little bit, Second Chronicles chapter 7, then bounce around 18-20. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about a, a king of Judah named Manasseh, who did a lot of things wrong. We would be so quick to point the finger until we look in the mirror. And many of the things that Manasseh did, we have done in our own way. Manasseh humbled himself and returned to the Lord and tore down the the idols that had been built and the other gods that had been worshipped. And after he was released from his captivity, remember with hooks, he was captured with hooks. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men later, but that, that version sounds painful, being captured with hooks that way. As he released, he became king again and, and sought the Lord and, and did right in the eyes of the Lord. And he was buried, and he had a son named Amon. I said, Amon, Amon. You see, Cool Runnings is like happening. Like legitimately, the Jamaican bobsled team has made the Olympics. Like my childhood is real. Oh, when, does anyone know when the bobsled race is? We gotta, I got to find that out. So when, if someone finds that out, you let me know. And I watch about eight minutes of the Olympics and then turn it back off again. You know, um, Man, Amon. So anyway, Manasseh had a son named Amon. You may remember nothing else, but you're going to remember this guy's name. And Amon did not do right in the eyes of the Lord. And here we are again, the back and forth, the back and forth, the pendulum of the kings of Israel and Judah, back and forth, following, not following, 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 not following, obeying, disobeying, obeying, Disobeying back and forth. You ever feel like you're in one of those moments? You're like, I'm doing good. And then, oh, and my faith walk or whatever. I'm doing good again. Oh, a little bit better. All right. I made it. I'm doing really good, really good. Whoa, whoa, bad. And, and we, it kind of feel like that in, in your life. And bad's not necessarily the Dixon family, right? I'm just going back and forth. It's not <laughs> Williams Harrison good. Dixon's bad. That's not what it is. It's just, it's not, we, we're torn in this, this walk of life between what is sinful and selfish and what is holy. This is the war. This is the war inside. And Amon did not do well. And he rebuilt everything that Manasseh had torn down. And suddenly they're worshiping the Asherim pole and the bales again under every green tree and different altars and priests who have fallen away 
And now we're worshiping other gods. And I'm so thankful before we even pick up in the Bible. And if you, if you want to go ahead and turn here, you're welcome to. Um, or actually, hold on that. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles 34 momentarily. We are going to go to one scripture first, so hold that thought. 2 Chronicles 34. Before we hop in there, again, I'm thankful for Brad filling in last week, who listened to the Holy Spirit and, and wrote some things and said some things that is a, is a great segue into where we're talking about today. And one of the scriptures that Brad brought up last Sunday, and I hope you listened to it. If you haven't, um, check it out on the Facebook page and then on our podcast also this coming week. Um, go back and listen to it. Because there's a lot of great stuff in there. And, and one of the things that Brad talked about was this scripture from Romans. I want to read a little bit of it. All right, Romans. It's going to be chapter 1. I'm going to begin verse 18 through 25. And Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Like, look, out, I had a conversation with a lady this past week. Um, I stopped to get Greek food, because gyros are tasty, right? I need a gyro! And so, anyway, it's just, I needed gyro. So... Okay, so I got a gyro and I got some Greek food. I'm trying to, I'm having an evangelical conversation with the lady behind the counter who is spiritualist and doesn't really believe anything. I'm like, how do you look out at the world? And I say, this is just chance. Like you are, you are a random gathering of cells throughout time that has spawned a consciousness and thoughts. And if that's your logic, then what is right and what is wrong? Like, how did you land here? And I, and I hope and I pray that this conversation sit with, sits with her. It's like, well, I just think that there's a big energy out there. I'm like, go back and read Genesis 1. Boom! He spoke into existence. I'm like, you want energy. God is energy. And light is energy, right? Yeah, okay. Go back and read Revelation. Anyway. Invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. We're living in this amazing planet world. And on my way over to Tampa back and forth uh, on Friday, I counted no less than six Amazon warehouses that are larger than this entire plaza. I mean, we're just talking absolutely, it's got to be half a million square foot. I mean, just unbelievable. What a selfish and destructive people we are. Like, just drive, everyone in these cars, like, they're just like me. We're going somewhere, and we're in a whole bunch of stuff. We don't need that much stuff. How much stuff? Good gracious. In this wonderful world that has been made, we're destroying. Regardless, this is, this is another thing. All right. Be good stewards of the planet. Moving on. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, this is where things start getting really important for us, claiming to be wise, they became fools. You know any smart, dumb people? You may not want to answer that. Hope maybe, maybe outside of this room. 
right? You know, people who are high in their own eyes, mighty, they have all the answers. Why? Because they can Google it. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And our world is exchanging the truth for a lie. Every day as we speak. And we got a smartphone on you? Right? Oh, go pull it out. Turn it on. You are permissed. You are loud and please please pull it out. Yeah, pull out pull out your phone. Open up your your Google or Safari. Whatever you use as a search engine. Pull it up. All right, now I want you to do a search. And your search and the query is going to be, what does, this is you typing, what does the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, right? What does the Bible say about Ready for the fun word? Homosexuality. Yeah. And, and search it. Hit go. Hit done. Hit okay. Hit go. And search. And look at the first few responses that the Google machine has brought up for you. Read the first few hits. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? And this Google search engine will return to you. Many things that say the Bible says nothing about it being a sin. Says nothing about being a homosexuality. The Bible is a is a is outdated. Anyone getting different results other than that? First three or four hits. Read the little description. Is this what you were getting? This is what it gets when I search it. This is what it gets when everybody else I had try it over the past week has searched it. Y'all getting this? You seeing this? Okay. Hold this up. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations, men and women, for those that are contrary to nature, women and women. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women. Men, we don't have to have that explained. It only works one way. And were consumed with passion for one another, men with men. Men committing shameless acts with men, verbatim, in the black and white print, and receiving in themselves the due penalty for it. In the next verse, the next verse of Romans about exchanging truth for God for a lie. One of the movies that I, I like is called Shooter with Mark Wahlberg. And they ruined it and made it a show later, right? With Ryan Philippi. And, and the movie with Mark Wahlberg, which is not quite believable, but I enjoy. The ultimate bad guy says, the truth is what I say it is, in a similar fashion to that. And that's what's going on in the world today. Find big tech and execs, whatever. The truth is whatever we say it is. What do we put out in the media? 
And the search that you just did online that said the Bible does it. The next verse in the New Testament. And this is what happens when we let go of the law and righteousness and truth of God. Some of the friends that I had from the fraternity in college was a music fraternity and and some of them, being brothers, have gone on to love other brothers. I'll just leave that there. You don't have to need no explanation about that. And with the situation that my friends going through over there, also again in the same fraternity, they have been quick in their judgment and abandonment of his situation. And the only ones that have remained by his side are coincidentally Christ-following brothers. Because they have exchanged the truth for a lie. And brothers who love other brothers who don't know truth, why would they know truth? Why would they seek the truth? You can't handle the truth. Now we're going for all the movie quotes today. And the truth has been lost by the world. And it's our responsibility and our privilege to help them find it again. To go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're not doing this alone. Behold, He is with us, even to the very end of the age. There's a little part in there, in between, where He said, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And we're going to pick up the story now in 2 Chronicles, chapter 34. Because Amon, Amon, Amon did not follow the ways of the Lord. He exchanged the truth for a lie. And here in 2 Chronicles, now chapter 34, we're going to pick up. And Amon had a son named Josiah. And it, things didn't turn out well for Amon. He ended up being killed by some of his own people, and then those, those people who killed him were killed. Everything a mess. And enter an eight-year-old boy, Josiah. And I have a little Bible at home that I read with my son Landon. He picks this out a lot. He likes to read the little children's Bible version story of Josiah. And it's really cute. I love reading it with him. But like any children's Bible, it leaves out very important details. All right? I want to read just a little bit of this and paraphrase some other things and just so we can get through the story. And Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Eight-year-old now king. And he reigned for a total of 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was? Right. Good. Pleasing, your version may say. I'm in the ESV. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of David, his father. It's not his father. His father's Amon. But going back generationally, is like the guy who set the standard of kingship. Right? Walked in the ways of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, do the math. Now he's 16. As a 16-year-old boy... Who is yet a boy. And if you're ever curious about the story of David, well, how old was David? Well, they still consider a 16-year-old to be a boy. So David was most likely not seven when he threw the stone and toppled 
Goliath. More likely 14, 15, 16. All right? All right, so he's a boy. He began to seek the God of David, his father, because he had no understanding, because Amon had messed everything up. So he's seeking God. In the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. He's about 26 years old. And the ashram and the carved and the metal images, and, and they chopped down the altars of the bales in his presence. He's like, I want to see this thing done. Get it out, get it gone. And at this, he's just seeking God. And at this point, he's still almost seeking without any hard evidence, which we'll come to in a bit. He just knows that this is the right thing to do, that they, the people had worshipped God before, and, and how things were going is not. And so he began seek, seeking God when he was 16. He says, take all this kind of stuff down while I can see. And he cut down the incense altars that stood above them, and he broke in pieces the ashram and the carved in metal images and he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. <laughs> you take your God. Here's your God. Dust, 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 dust. You want your sawdust? You want your metal shards? Here it is. I, I laugh about that. I think it's just like... <clears throat> digging it in. And he also burned the bones of the priests on, the, on their altars and cleansed the Judah in Jerusalem. Now, we have to read into that a little bit because no one just burns the bones of the priests who worship to the other gods. They had to be killed first. So the priests who worshipped and led worship and had fallen away from God and led the worship to this other god, they were gone and then their bones, crematory pile going up there. Burns the bones of the priests and cleanses Judah and Jerusalem. And the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in the ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the Asherim. He beat the Asherim out of them. Uh, the images into powder. And he cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel. And then he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house, he sent some people to go fix up the temple. Right? So we're going to fast forward a little bit. Right? There's a lot of names here. They're kind of cool. They're kind of important. But for the sake of time, we're going to keep moving on. And he sent people to go check out the temple and to repair it. Again, this is the temple that Solomon had built. And obviously, over generations, it had fallen into disrepair. And no one worshiping God anymore had taken out the holy thing. He said, put all that stuff back. Take the money that has been donated and actually put it to use. Fix this up. I want new wood. I want new gold. I want new everything. I'm going to fix it up. Chip and Joanna Gaines were there putting up shiplap in mass. I'm just kidding. I said, fix it up. Fix it up. So they come, quarried stone, carpenters, and blah, blah, blah. And while they're there working... Verse 14, while they were bringing the money that had been brought to the house of the Lord, the priest found the book of the law the Lord had given through Moses. And this whole time, at least for his life, he's never had the scripture, the Torah, the book of the law. He's never had anything that defines what is good and what is bad. He's just following his heart about what God told him to do. And it leads him, Josiah, through other people, as they fix up the temple, as they finally come and restore the temple, they find the book of the law. And they come and they read it to King Josiah. 
And he, for the first time, hears the God that delivered them from Egypt and slavery and bondage and the Ten Commandments and everything that had just probably been passed down orally or generationally. Stories, fables, myths, fairy tales. He finds out it's real and it's tangible. And he is wrecked. W-R-E-K-T. Like he is just, he's just wrecked. And he hears this. In verse 19, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahakam, the son of Saphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Saphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's servant. And he said, go inquire of the Lord for me. And for those who are left, find someone who still believes in our God. Because we've taken away the, all, all the other gods. Find someone who still believes. Because the word of God has been found. And great is the wrath of the Lord is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not obeyed to do according to all that is written in this book. So they send word out and they find a prophetess. And what she says over the next five paragraphs, or one long paragraph, either way yours is composed, is basically that the people are going to come to ruin. They are going to have to atone and be punished and disciplined for generation after generation after generation after generation being faulty, futile, fake, or simply just leaving God behind. Wrath of God's coming, which is what, exactly where we picked up in, in Romans. It's not an Old Testament message. This is a Bible message. The judgment of the Lord is coming. And, you know, growing up, there was this concept of a hellfire brimstone message. Everything's just the fear of the Lord. All right? And over the last 20 or 30 years, if not quite more than that, as worship and our Sunday gatherings across the nation have become more about the experience than the text, about the love and the feeling versus the discipline and the obedience, we have forgotten what it's like to fear the Lord. A righteous fear, a holy fear for who God is and what He can do. And eventually, what He will do. That's a promise and everything else in here has come true. You want to bet your life that that one doesn't? Nope, I don't. A reckoning is coming. And we need the righteous and holy fear of the Lord again. We need to understand that the wrath of God is real. That the wages of sin is death. And woe to you, Pharisees and hypocrites who say and believe otherwise. Woe to those who say, but didn't I do these great things in your name? Prophesy in your name and teach in your name and worship in your name and grow a big gold church in your name. And for some of those, Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. 
We need the fear of the Lord. And Josiah, as a boy, sought the Lord. And at the right time, cleansed the land. And at the right time, was given the book of the law again. And though he had already done the right things, he humbled himself again in the sight of the Lord. And the prophets said, you know what? All this wrath is coming on your people, but you're not going to see it. You will be buried with your fathers. And you will be at peace. Later on, King Josiah decides to go to war. Nico, the king of Egypt at that time, is going to go travel basically through his land to go attack another people group. Josiah wants in on the action. He just wants to go for a fight. Well, he loses this fight, and he loses his life. He's hit with by arrows, and he dies. And then shortly after, his son reigns for about three months, when Nico then turns his sights on the people of Judah. Nico, who is actually a God-fearing man, actually. He believed in the same God of the Hebrews, if I'm not kind of ironic. He's like, hey, Josiah, I've got nothing to do with you. I'm going to go take care of these people. The God that we both worship, has, I have no quarrel with you. And Josiah just wanted to fight. Anyway, so he dies. He gets hit with arrows, and his son takes over for a couple months. And then he gets kind of kicked out to put Nico's brother there. And that brother, Jehoiakim. And during his reign, three years into his reign, another guy called Nebuchadnezzar comes. And takes over a whole bunch of the land, a whole bunch of the kingdom, and takes with him a man you may have heard of named Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So this is how this all connects. The wrath of God has come, did come. Josiah was spared from it. He got hit by arrows. <laughs> I thought he said he was going to have peace. Well, he's going to be buried with his fathers in honor. He's at peace with the Lord. Okay, I'll take that. And even in the end, he was still honored. And he kept the Passover feast. And it says that there was no Passover compared. Even when David and Solomon had held Passover feasts after they found the book of the law, Josiah held a Passover feast of all Passover feasts. And honored God again. And again, that's what we're talking about today. This series, Return to Me. Coming back to the Lord. And there is the judgment of God that will come and will be passed on your life. And one day you will have to give an account of everything you've said and done, everything you have not said and have not done. You will stand accountable before Jesus Christ. And on that day, which could be tomorrow, could be today, you don't know. I encourage you, I plead with you, you can't put this off. You you can't wait to get right with the Lord, because you don't know you've got tomorrow. And this girl I was talking to in the Greek restaurant 
she was just blissfully unaware. As much as I tried to talk to her while getting to go food. Like, what are you going to do on the day of eternity? What are you going to do? If you're wrong, well, then I'll just know I'm wrong forever. Do you, you, what? That's not what hell is, being wrong forever. It's a whole lot worse than that. And even if you know God, even if you've had the book of the law at your fingertips and not read it, it's time to come back to the Lord. And just like Josiah did, seek after him. And now we come into the New Testament where Jesus says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Return to me. And I don't know if you've ever returned a car to the, to the Hertz rental place you took it from. I don't know if you ever returned a shirt to the place you purchased it from and tried it on and then decided you didn't like it and then took it back. But you've returned something in your life, yes? Okay. Did, did Coles come to you? No, no. Did a van show up at your house, not to deliver from Walmart, but to pick up from Walmart and take it back to the store for you? Did, did they do that? Like, that'd be next level service. But no one's ever going to do that. Why? Because it's your job to do the return. They've done the work. They made the product. They made it available. You hit purchase. You received. But you got to return. And in what we're talking about today, just like Josiah, just like Manasseh, just like king after king before him, we have to return to the Lord. We have to return. His word tells us to draw near to God. And he will draw near to us. And we spend so much time thinking on probably that one parable, just the one parable that Jesus said. It's a parable, it's a story about the 99 sheep and the lost one. Right? Like, oh, he's going to go after the one. Yes. But the one was already a sheep, not a goat. The parable is not the lost goat. You know, the difference between sheep and goats. not the lost goat. It was a lost sheep. And that's the equivalent of a Christian brother or sister who has slipped away and God pursuing that which is his own, his child. And until that moment, you and I, we have to return. God is here, unchanging, never ending, the beginning and the end. And we have to return to Him. Our soul has to long to be in His presence. 
We have to be able to receive discipline and correction. We have to walk hand in hand and be in step, as Galatians chapter 5 says, be in step with the Spirit. And the Christian walk is one of picking up our cross and following Him. And we may know this, but we need to be reminded of it. You may know what a lot of that book says, but you need to read it again. Because His mercies are new every morning, and you're going to find something else. He's going to reveal Himself a little bit more to you through His Word. Return to me. It's like the overarching theme of the entire Bible. Yes, of course, Jesus. But from the moment sin entered the world, with Adam and Eve, it's been this God-written story saying, hey, I'm going to find you and, and provide a way back. Return to me. Listen. Obey. Duplicate. And that's my call to you today. That's my call to me today. Because that's God's call for us today. Return to me. Return to me. And the weight Josiah had when he read this scripture... For the first time. He tore his clothes and humbled himself. Imagine if you were able to read the Bible with fresh eyes today. Like you'd never read it before and your eyes were open. Would you be that humbled? Would you, would you say you've done that much that needs repentance of? You're like, oh, I'm pretty good. Like I'm like this much bad. We like to think I'm like, I'm 5% bad. Right, just five. 95%. There's sin in my life, but it's 95% just good. Right? Just working a little, 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 little tiny 5%. Thanks, Jesus. No, no. That's the wrong way of thinking. For who is righteous? Not one. Not one. And so our call is to return to the Lord. To long for His presence. To seek Him above all others. To receive His discipline. To live in obedience. And worship in spirit and in truth. This is the call. What's going to be your answer? Do not exchange the truth for a lie. There is only one truth, one way, one life. That's Jesus Christ.